Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I was in the middle of a conversation with a friend on WhatsApp. Uh, but I've just gone live and I'm going to look at Genesis chapter 22. I'm going to preach on this this coming Sunday at London Chinese Alliance Church. Uh, good friends with the people there. Uh, really looking forward to that. And um, they're going through the life of uh, different characters in the Bible. I think people like Noah, Moses, that kind of thing. And I got Abraham. So they said, can choose any passage. I chose Genesis chapter 22. Um, to be honest, I think I chose it because uh, <laughs> I forgot about it. And then one day, Brad, the pastor, wrote me and said, oh, you know, you need to choose a passage. And then I said, okay, all right, Genesis 22. Uh, it sounded familiar, and I realized only later why it's because I preached on it before. I think that was like a long, 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 long time before. Um, but yeah, so I'll be looking at Genesis chapter 22 today uh, in preparation for Sunday. Uh, first thing I have to do is decide uh, which Bible I'm going to use. So this is my NIV Bible, and this is my ESV. So I'm trying to decide which one to use. Um, I tend to go with my NIV, and that's because most churches, you know, they will flash out the words on the screen, you know, the text from the Bible, and that will be in NIV. Thing is, uh, this is a really old NIV translation. It's from 1977. There is an updated one. Uh, I think it was done around 2011 or something like that. Uh, but, 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 uh, it's, there's not much difference. Having said that, uh, ESV, um, I'm trying to preach more from this, also to encourage people to read this, just because it's also a good translation to be reading. So, uh, which one shall I use? Um, I'll go with the NIV. I'll go with the NIV. Yeah. And part of the exercise is really to familiarize myself with um, just the spatial layout of the text as well, you know, on the day itself, I'll be looking at this Bible, looking at the text like this. And so just wanted to know where, uh, you know, where the text is, get used to it, where my eyes land so that I know where to go to when I'm saying, you know, I want to, I want to look at verse eight, for instance, so it's just there, that kind of thing. So yeah, uh, with that very long rambly intro, uh, let's look at Genesis chapter 22. I'm going to pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, for the opportunity to speak your word again. Uh, please help me to be clear, to be encouraging uh, for your sake and also for the sake of uh, my friends, my brothers and sisters at LCAC this coming Sunday. Uh, please help me even with this preparation. Uh, Whoever is watching this, please help them as well um, to hear your word. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So hello, if you've just joined me, this is a daily Bible reading show looking at Genesis chapter 22, and this is verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Verse 3, early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set up for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. I'll stop there. So it begins with God testing Abraham. <laughs> and uh, this is a kind of test for his heart, I think, for his motivation 
uh, does Abraham really trust God, fear God, love God, um, obey God? Because God's telling him to do something, will Abraham do this thing? And it begins with just God saying hello to Abraham. No, Abraham, here I am. <laughs> I think uh, the idea is that this is very, very special. You know, I, I think even Abraham was surprised when one day he woke up and God said, Abraham, <laughs> imagine, imagine, you know, God actually saying to you, Calvin, you know, something like, oh, whoa, okay, and now what would you do? You know, Abraham, through his response, shows that he is ever ready for God's uh, call, you know, here I am. And it begins sometime later, you know, it's been a while since God appeared, spoke to him, and kind of like challenged them in this way, but it shows that Abraham was, you know what, ready, here I am. Then God said to him, verse 2, Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, go to that place, this place called Moriah. And already, already, you know, he didn't say, you know, take your kid um, and go to that place. It's, it's reminiscent of um, the beginning of Abraham's relationship with God. When God says uh, to Abraham back in chapter 12, says, you know, leave your place, you know, go to that place. And Abraham went to that place. But here, you need to go to this place with your son whom you love. And already you know that there's something to do with Isaac. Um, there's something that this test is going to involve that involves Isaac because it describes him as your son, your only son, Ligataya, <laughs> uh, uh, whom you love. Well, how do you say that in Chinese? Uh? Le ho ho. <laughs> so bad. You really, really love this son. And God can tell. God can tell that you really, really treasure him. You dote on him. You know, he's your only son. And remember, actually, he has another son. He, he has Ishmael. But in Abraham's eyes, this is the son that God gave him. And this is the son whom he really, really loves. And God doesn't beat about the bush. Verse 2, uh, sacrifice him there. Kill him, kill him as a burnt offering in the mountains I'll tell you about. So essentially, um, okay, so this is what I want to do. Okay, you know, you, you're starting out the sermon and you want to uh, open with something that will catch uh, the hearer's attention. So I'm, I'm speaking as someone's going to be giving this talk, going to be giving this sermon on Sunday. And um, you, you, need, you need a buildup. You need something that will get people interested and invested in this message. And I was thinking, you know, um, what if, what if I said to the people on Sunday, I, I said to them, you know, if you listen to this sermon, I promise you two things. Number one, you will know what your true heart's desire is. And number two, you'll be able to give it up to God. So number one, what is it that thing that you really, really love? Some people don't know. Some people are still searching for that thing to love. But I promise you, if you if you hear God's word, God might, well, maybe, I mean, maybe God will reveal to you that thing that really is uh, something that's precious to you, maybe even an idol to you. Yeah, um, God will do that. And, and secondly, uh, maybe what God wants to do through this passage is to help us to give it up to Him, to help us offer it up to Him as a living sacrifice. Might be our lives, 
might be something that's close to us, someone. In this case, it was his son. Might even be, I don't know, a career, a ministry, something, something precious that's good that God has given us. But God wants us to offer that thing up as worship. Anyway, uh, Abraham obeys. Uh, verse 3, early the next morning, Abraham got up, saddled his donkey. No questions asked, you know. God says, do this. He didn't say why. Uh, he didn't say, you know, this is too much. He just got up and he did this the next morning. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God told him about. And I think what I see here is just Abraham got up, Abraham took with him, Abraham cut the wood. So Abraham is being obedient directly to God's command. You know, he is about to give a sacrifice. Uh, he's about to go on this journey. Abraham just followed everything and did everything he needed to do so that he would be personally obedient to God. He had servants. He did it himself. Um, uh, Isaac followed him, and Isaac is going to be sacrificed, but this is something that Abraham had to do in obedience to God. Um, yeah, okay, all right. So verse 4, on the third day, Abraham looked up, saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, verse 5, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and a knife, and knife psh, psh, psh. as the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where? Where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. My son and the two of them went on together. So um, the second part of the journey it's just Abraham and his son. He leaves the donkey. He leaves the servants behind. This whole part of the journey is just this conversation, this um, kind of like um, intimate you know, conversation and talk between a father and his son. And they're talking about God. I think that's what's so meaningful about this journey. You know, Abraham has this personal faith with God. How is Isaac going to learn about God? You know, he's going to learn it from his dad. In fact, you know, he, he's asking him about about worship, you know, question. It's almost like, you know, you bring your kid to um, uh, to church on Sunday and your kid's asking you questions like, you know, why are we going to church? <laughs> why can't I stay home and watch cartoons or that kind of thing? And um, what they're hearing from you as a response is directly going to affect, you know, their relationship with God. Uh, or, or even what they see in you, you know, whether you're grumpy on the way to church, whether you're eager, you know, to worship God, you know, whether you're you're singing, you're listening to that kind of thing, you know, everything that you do will have an effect on your kids, on the people around you, and it's again that personal relationship with one another that affects their relationship with God. Yeah, so um, uh, Abraham, you know, verse 4, he saw the place. He could see it a long way away. And almost like as a response, verse 5, he says, stay here, stay here. He wants this last phase of the journey uh, to be just him with his son, you know, alone, alone. 
you know. And so uh, he, verse 6, put the wood on his son Isaac. So he involves Isaac. You know, there's obviously a kind of picture here with Jesus as well. You know, Jesus carrying the wood up to the mountain where he will be crucified. There's, there's a foreshadowing here of how uh, Isaac's um, impending death <laughs> we shadow foreshadow Jesus' death, but also this act of worship. The wood is meant to be burned up, you know, in the same way that the cross is meant to be an offering of worship before God for our sins. So Isaac is foreshadowing the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and there's just one one question that he asks, one curious question that he asks his dad. At verse 7, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire, the fire and the wood are here. Fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb? Where is the lamb? And that's so central to worship. You know, even Isaac understands that uh, you're not just building a bonfire, you're actually offering up a life. You know, the lamb is uh, a symbol of a life that needs to die, a life that needs to be given in exchange for my life, a life that needs to be given in order to worship God who is holy. Um, and, and Abraham's answer is God will provide. God himself will provide this lamb, this life, this sacrifice. Okay, let's carry on verse 9. Uh, when they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand, took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy. He said, do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld to, from me your son, your only son. Uh, yeah, okay, all right, let's, let's, let's look at this closely. Okay, verse 9, they reach the place and Abraham builds the altar, starts laying the wood, and then ties his son <laughs> to the wood. It, it's so strange. It's so strange. Why doesn't, why doesn't Isaac just fight back? Oh, you know, why are you doing that? Tear, you know, breaks, tries, tries to break himself free and fight his dad. Uh, it doesn't say anything. All it says is that Abraham tied it up. Abraham tied him up and then took, took the knife and was about to slay his son. It's a very descriptive um, uh, picture of what Abraham is about to do, like almost in slow motion, about to... And then suddenly the, the voice from heaven comes, Abraham, Abraham! <laughs> very, very hurriedly, he said, no, 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 okay, don't, don't do it. Okay, he said, now I know that you truly fear God. And um, yeah, what... What, what do we see from this? Where do we see from this? Um, that Abraham was willing to go through with it, I guess. You know, um, that it wasn't just all talk. Um, God told Abraham to do this thing. Abraham was willing to do it. And that in itself is a problem, isn't it? You know, the father is willing to kill his son. That's not exactly father of the year. <laughs> right? I mean, it, it's, it's almost a bad thing. You know, why is he willing to kill his son even for God? Um, yeah, tough, tough question. Uh, we had a Bible study on this a couple of weeks ago, and I really, really appreciate it. there was one guy there. You could see he had a real problem with this. 
you know, what, what, like, like, is this real faith? Your willingness to sacrifice your own family member for God. I think, I think um, the thing that he had a big problem with was that this was what he meant to fear God. Uh, yeah, because verse 12 says, now I know that you fear God. Is it because you're afraid that God will do something to you, therefore you do something to your family? Um, is that what fear is? And obviously not, obviously not. Uh, but it's hard. I think just you, it's just worth taking the moment to appreciate what a conundrum this is and almost to recognize that some people who hear this will have problems and you want to acknowledge it. You don't want to dismiss it at all. You know, you should have a problem with this. It's actually a good thing um, to maybe hesitate, you know, to want to sacrifice someone out of fear for someone else. You know, sometimes you do that with our, at our work, right? We're scared to offend our boss and so we sacrifice time with our family. We're scared of, um, I don't know, maybe even offending someone in church. And therefore, we, we put up this show, you know, we, we, we tell our kids or we tell our family, hey, you know, don't embarrass me in front of the pastor, that kind of thing. And that kind of fear is bad. And it's selfish, you know, it's, 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 it's destructive. It's not loving. Yeah, and if that's the kind of fear that Abraham has, you know, that's not the kind of fear we want to have. But I think the Bible does help us out. Um, uh, this is where, again, I need, I need to put a disclaimer. This really is for first impression, so I haven't like prepared this or anything at like this, but it's just kind of like uh, impressions that I vaguely have from the Bible saying something about this in the, before I read it before. Um, okay, so this Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17, uh, and it says this, uh, By faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, It is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. So it's talking about Genesis chapter 22, but this is Hebrews, this is the New Testament, this is thousands of years later. Uh, Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. So actually, it's explained that actually, even if he did kill Isaac, God can raise him up again. That, you know, God wouldn't test him in such a way that would be cruel. If anything, God was more than able to display his love through his power, through his resurrection. And so there's a kind of trust that Abraham had that, you know, God wouldn't ask him to do something that was unloving, that God wouldn't test him in a way that would destroy someone else's life, but that if he obeyed, God could give him you know, resurrection life. So that's the New Testament. And, and a very valid objection to that would be, you know, that's the New Testament. <laughs> how, how do you know that that's what Abraham is thinking here in the Old Testament? I think we do see it uh, back in verse 5. If you remember, Abraham leaves his servants behind and he leaves word with his servants, verse 5, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and we will come back to you. So do you, do you hear that? We will come back, me and Isaac. We're going there. We'll worship. There'll, something will happen. I'll sacrifice him maybe, you know. Maybe God will raise him up. Maybe not. But whatever happens, we'll come back to you. You know, such is Abraham's confidence that Isaac will leave, live. Such, I think his confidence even in God, that God will not test him in a way that is cruel, that is unloving, but that God is more than able to save. Yeah. 
So um, yeah, okay, all right. So so he actually okay, right. So in summary, he really almost does it, does the deed because he really does believe that God can raise the dead. Yeah. Verse thirteen. Uh, Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son, as a substitute. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide, and to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. So um, Isaac doesn't die, but it's important to know that something else dies. You know, there is this ram how is a ram different from a goat? Um, <laughs> so embarrassing. Is a ram the goat with the horns? I guess, I guess it is. It, this animal, this animal is provided by God. It's caught in some bushes and God provided this ram because he looked up and then he sees this ram and then he says, he calls this place the Lord will provide. And so that's God providing for his sacrifice. And God says, you give the sacrifice, but in the end, God actually gives the sacrifice. Um, and, you know, Abraham is supposed to sacrifice something, but actually, in the end, God is the one who provides that sacrifice. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's the idea of a substitution. And I think this helps us understand what's happening with the cross, with worship, with our lives. So with the cross, what's happening is Jesus dies when I'm supposed to die. I think it's meant to be a substitute. It's a replacement. You know, Jesus dies in case uh, where I should die. You know, I'm, I'm supposed to be judged for my sin. I deserve this punishment, this anger from God because of my sin. But instead of God pouring out on me, he pours it out on Jesus Christ. So God will provide. What I say again? The cross... Um, Jesus, I guess I already said that, you know, Jesus himself is this uh, sacrifice. But I, I think also, you know, Isaac, um, because, blah, 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 okay, all right. Uh, Abraham really loves Isaac. You can see that. His son, his only son, Abraham truly, truly loves Isaac. And I think that's meant to mirror the father's love for Jesus. God really, really loves Jesus. And the willingness for Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, whom he really, really loves, is meant to help us understand just how much, how big a deal it was for God to sacrifice Jesus on the cross. This is God's son, his only son, the son whom he loves, that he sends to the cross. And in the end, God well, does sacrifice his own son on the cross. And that's the amazing thing. Abraham doesn't do this, but God does. Abraham's son is spared, but God's son dies on the cross. And so finally, with our lives, our own worship, you know, our worship is always through the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, uh, yes, we sing songs. Yes, you know, we read the Bible, even preparing a sermon, that kind of thing. And all this is sacrificial, but really the only sacrifice that we are able to offer up God that is pleasing, that is full, that is, that really um, brings us in contact with God is one that is a substitute that God gives us uh, for our lives, and that's Jesus Christ. We are actually almost coming to God through His sacrifice. God, look upon Him, His pleasing sacrifice, His obedience, uh, His praise before you, and um, then look upon me. You know, um, 
it's it's that idea that actually nothing we can do can really um you know it, it's nothing that we can do that that really offered up to god it's everything that god has given us uh, everything that god has provided for us so that we can come before him and worship him okay all right uh let's finish this up uh, verse 15 the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you've done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. And so God blesses Abraham. He says, because you fear me, I'll bless you. Because you obey me, I will bless you, and I'll bless you through your offspring. So this blessing is not just for Abraham, it's actually for us. So if you are a descendant of Abraham, you inherit this blessing. And this blessing is of, you know, of um, so possession of the cities of your enemies, nations will be blessed, you've obeyed me. So it's kind of like... Um, God will defeat any enemy before you and God will bless anyone who is for you. And it's the blessing of blessing. <laughs> it's almost prosperity. Uh, I say almost because, you know, Abraham didn't receive this himself. He received this promise that is passed on to others. So it's, um, it's a kind of prosperity that, that someone else uh, benefits from, if that makes sense. You know, Abraham doesn't receive it, but his kids receive it. And in a way, even if you're one of his kids, actually it's passed on to your kids and so on, so on, so on. Because it's the idea of the offspring, descendants, receiving this promise and passing it on. Now what's interesting is verse 18, the end of this promise talks about offspring, which could be, you know, many, but most likely it's talking about the singular. It's talking about one particular son that will receive all of these promises that God has given through Abraham. And the whole story of Genesis is just tracing the one family having a son, having a son, having a son, through whom God gives his promise, gives his promise, gives his promise. So Abraham, after his Isaac, after his Jacob, then it goes on to various descendants. And it's always asking who is the son that's going to receive the full promises of God. And here, at least, it looks like it's going to be Isaac, because Isaac is Abraham's direct offspring. Uh, but even so, you know, Isaac passes it on to Jacob. And so, so it's like, you know, hot potato. You're almost passing things down, 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 down. And um, I guess it's saying that it's not meant for us to hold on to. And yet there is a special particular individual, a special son who received all of these promises. And Christians believe it's Jesus. Christians believe that Jesus is the offspring, the seed of Abraham that receives the fullness of all God's blessings and um, salvation. Yeah, where do I get this? I think, uh, where do I get this? <laughs> Galatians, maybe? Yeah, I think, I think Galatians, Paul says something about the seed. Uh, doo -doo -doo. Where is it? Um, wow, it's so embarrassing. I think I, I I vaguely remember that there was uh, there's there's a lot of sun language, 
So verse chapter 3, verse 26, you're all sons of God. And um, verse chapter 3, verse 6 as well, consider Abraham, he uh, believed God and was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. So this is Paul in the New Testament saying that if you believe with the same belief of Abraham, you're his children. So you're inheriting all the blessings of Abraham because you're inheriting the kind of faith that Abraham had in God, the singular trust. Verse 8, the scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Uh, oh, yeah, and further on, down, um, further on, verse 15, brothers, let, let me take an example from everyday life. Uh, just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been duly established, so it is in this case, the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. The scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. So um, this is Paul making the point that here when it talks about the seed, it's talking about one seed, one person, one individual who receive all the promises. And he says there, it is Christ. It is Jesus. Sorry if that wasn't very convincing. <laughs> um, uh, but, but, you know, there, there's something really big deal here because uh, Christians claim that they are children of Abraham. Muslims claim that they are children of Abraham. Obviously, Jews claim that they are children of Abraham because this is the Jewish scriptures. But all of us trace our genealogy, our DNA, back to Abraham. Why? Uh, because there is a kind of blessing that comes to this one individual. You know, he is written here in the scriptures, almost to say that you know, if you're connected to him, if you're his child, you get it all. You inherit all this blessing. Okay, moving on, moving on. Last, last verse. Uh, then Abraham returned to his servants and they set off together for Beersheba and Abraham stayed in Beersheba. And that's, that's the end of the, the reading. Um, by the way, verse 19 is really interesting. Abraham returned to his servants, singular. It didn't say Abraham and Isaac. And so there's a figurativeness of how maybe Isaac was kind of like a sacrifice, you know, that Abraham actually did follow through with the deed or... I don't know, uh, but but yeah, it's just interesting. It's just interesting that it puts it in a singular. Abraham alone went back on this journey. Um, how do we apply this? Obviously, Jesus. You know, Jesus. Um, this passage helps us to see just how much love God has for Jesus. You know, yes, Jesus was sacrificed. That's great. Jesus died for us on the cross. That's great. We have eternal life. But I think we appreciate it all the more when we realize that the one who is sacrificed on the cross is God's most precious, precious thing. And I think that helps us to identify um, our own heart's uh, preciousness as well. You know, what is the thing that we really, really love, that we really, really treasure, that, um, you know, almost we will give our lives for, that kind of thing. You know, God has that thing. It's, his name is Jesus. God even God, even God has a heart's treasure. And therefore, when we feel the pain of having to sacrifice that thing, that person, whatever it is, you know, God understands. God knows what it feels like. You know, maybe you've experienced having a loved one in hospital. God knows what that's like. 
maybe you um, you've uh, I don't know invested in something you know uh, a person a career a ministry and then it comes to a stage where you need to hand it over you need to let it go you know God can really identify with that the pain the kind of like why do I need to do this that person doesn't deserve this that kind of thing God um, gave Jesus on the cross in such a way that it reveals his true love for Jesus you know this is the one whom he really loves uh, but secondly, uh, there's that substitute. You know, God isn't asking us to do something that is cruel. Yeah, put it that way. Um, it's not as if God wants us to suffer because we've been enjoying ourselves too much. No, God wants us to see that He is our true treasure. Uh, everything that we have is given from God, including that thing, including that person, that experience, that whatever it is. You know, it's all a gift from God. We're not talking about something that's bad but something that's very, very good. Uh, God's given us that thing, but sometimes, sometimes because we love it so much, that thing becomes an idol. That thing takes the place of God. And the times when God calls us to give it up, it's to recognize um, that maybe we've displaced God with that love that we have. Uh, it's again for our good, uh, but uh, it's, uh, it's still hard. Um, but I think it helps us to really focus on God in worship. Because worship, sometimes we can make it all about us. The experience, you know, I love this, you know, I love singing this, I love being in the presence of God's people, you know, of this worship, and it makes me feel fulfilled. But worship needs to be about God and not about us. You know, worship is something that takes the center out of us and puts it on God. And what keeps us from doing that sometimes is maybe, um, uh, I don't know, idolatry, I guess. You know, we're worshiping something other than God, whether the experience, ourselves, uh, that pleasure, that joy, and we've kind of like taken the center out of God. And I think the idea of the substitute, what it does, it, it shows that, you know, God uh, needs to um, deal with that sin before we can come before Him truly in worship. You know, um, substitute means uh, something needs to take the place of our life. Something needs to take the place of our treasure so that we can really come back to God and say that, you know, um, you are our treasure. You are our God. And Jesus' death reminds us that it is uh, a tremendous cost. You know, that, uh, that we deserve to die, but he dies. You know, we are unholy. He is holy. Um, he is the one that truly should be loved. But on the cross, God pours upon Jesus almost all our hate, all our judgment, and then takes that love and pours it upon us. It's meant to be very, very awesome. It's meant to be very, very, um, um, I don't know what, what I'm thinking. It's, it's, it's meant to turn us back to God, in other words. Okay, all right. I feel like I squeeze everything out of this passage I can for this moment. But uh, yeah, so this is my first impressions looking at Genesis chapter 22. Anything else? Anything else that you notice here? Um, what do I want to bring out of this? Hmm. Maybe I need to think of more examples of what it means for us to just identify those things that we need to be able to offer up to God. Any, any, any example stories? Um, uh, I guess I could talk about going back to Malaysia. 
I really only have ever known Cambridge. Lived here for 20 plus years. Uh, longer, longer than I've been to Malaysia. Um, uh, it doesn't really feel like that big a sacrifice, if I'm honest, uh, because I really am looking forward to going back home. Um, but there are moments, there are moments when I wonder, you know, it'd just be so much easier, just so much easier to stay here, just carry on with things the way they are. And it is an adjustment. Um, uh, people have asked me, you know, am I going to carry on doing this kind of thing? Uh, um, maybe not. Actually, I don't know. Um, um, I'm I'm doing this more as a means rather than and you know I have to prepare the sermon. So this is just a way of preparing for it. Uh, and you know it could all just come to an end. You know I I I don't have any relationships with uh, ministries or churches back home in Malaysia, so there might not be any reason to do this. So this might end. And maybe when that happens, maybe I might feel the pain of that. Who knows? Um, uh, uh, I was telling the guys uh, just last weekend, um, you know, guys in my Bible study group. Actually, it's very new. I just joined them just a couple of months ago, and I really, really enjoyed it. You know, we just hanging out, reading the Bible together, and last week just going to church together. That was so fun. And every time I meet them, I meet other people, and I'm saying, you know, I wish, I hope, I wish I could bring you back to Malaysia. <laughs> I wish I could have this, and I think that would be a sacrifice. You know, you build out all these relationships and these friendships and having to let that go, um, that, that is painful. That is difficult. And uh, I guess the only way in which uh, you're willing to do that is if you've done that regularly. I think um, there's an aspect of worship that needs to be done every day, every moment of our lives that helps us not to latch our hearts onto something that isn't God. And it's when we get our practice of doing that that it becomes really suspicious. You know, why, why God? Why do I need to give this up? And we end up just hoarding, just holding on to things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, all right. Anyway, just, 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 thinking, just thinking of, of uh, examples. Someone sent me a message. I, um, sorry, uh, middle during the stream. I'm not sure whether it's a message on the, uh, on, as a comment or as a message. Yeah, it's a message message. Sorry, I'll, I'll respond to it right after this. Okay, anyway, uh, I'll, I'll turn off the stream right now. Sorry, it gets kind of rambly towards, towards the end. But again, this, these are my first impressions looking at the passage. Uh, please pray for me uh, this coming Sunday. In fact, I'm going to end with a prayer. Heavenly Father, please would you help us to identify our idols and help us to see the preciousness of Jesus Christ on the cross. Help us to latch our hearts onto him, to see how he is our substitute, our savior, our true sacrifice on the cross and help us to love you all the more because of that. Uh, please use this passage, use the preparation, use my message, use everything, everything to turn our hearts to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for watching. This has been the Daily Bible Reading Show looking at Genesis chapter 22. Uh, please pray for me for this coming Sunday at LCAC. Take care and God bless. Bye.